Good morning, Neil Hegarty. Good morning. Neil, you're an author with two novels published, I think, Inch Levels and The Jewel. And you're a biographer because you wrote a biography of David Frost called I Think That Was the Life That Was, which, of course, harks back to That Was the Week That Was, which I certainly remember. And um, Yes, that's right. We're talking to you this morning particularly because you're going to be chairing a session on Northern Ireland writers flourishing at the Ennis Book Club Festival on Saturday, March the 4th. Neil, you're originally from Derry as we'll hear in a few minutes when you talk to us a little bit more. And yourself, perhaps you could describe yourself as a writer from Northern Ireland. I'd like to start this morning by asking you about the idea that Northern Ireland writing is flourishing. What does flourishing mean in terms of the writing that's coming from the North in the last few years? I think for me, it means both range and quality as well as a sort of probing of a wide variety of, of ideas too. Um, there's been, you know, such a lot ex- of excellent and thoughtful work and in, in, in such a wide range of genres, you know, from memoir and other forms of non-fiction to poetry to crime fiction uh, to what we sometimes call literary fiction. Uh, and just, just to call out a few names, if I can, um, Kerry Doherty's Thin Places and Darren Anderson's in- Inventory, which are mem- mem- memoirs, portraits of families, but of course, portraits of, of a city too, of Derry, where both writers are from. And then so many other writers who have been receiving critical acclaim, of course, Anna Burns for Milkman, Michelle Gallen, who I'll be, I'll be interviewing in Ennis for Factory Girls and Big, um, Big Girls Small Town, set in Tyrone. Louise Kennedy for Trespasses, Jan Carson for the, the Raptures, as well as a whole range of crime writers like Anthony J. Quinn and Brian McGilloway. And, and that's just a, a snapshot, really, of the range of, of contemporary Northern writing that's exploring um, place and time and identity in so many innovative, so many wonderful ways. And I, I should say also, of course, that Everybody who, who's working and writing now today is is building on the work that has come before us. Uh, so I'm thinking of novelists like Jennifer Johnston, Deirdre Madden, Owen McNamee, who, who were working on, on their early writing against what what was a very difficult back, background of the, the troubles in full flood. Yes, indeed. And I think that's one of the really interesting things that... You know, we're just 25 years, uh, almost 25 years after the Good Friday Agreements. And uh, I wonder, has that perhaps been a factor in making a difference? In other words, that people may feel freer to write now about things that happened all that time ago, whereas in the past, everything was so circumscribed by fear, by hatred, by actual restriction when one thinks about the fact that, for instance, here in the South, uh, broadcasts were, you know, certain voices weren't allowed to be heard in broadcasts, let's say, you know, that there's there's a freedom now for sort of narratives that haven't been heard to be heard. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I really do think that the signing of the Good Friday Agreement 25 years ago was absolutely fundamental. 
it didn't stop the violence and the deaths. And of course, it's important to say that. Yes. But it did enable a, a kind of a form of surface normality to emerge. And that in turn allowed a generation of, of people to grow up in that kind of normality and for energies to be directed to, to new ends, let's say. Um, and of course, it's sometimes easier to take stock when you, you've had a little headspace. So I, I think for all of its ongoing insecurities and instabilities that's you know, it's in the news today, we do have to give thanks for what happened back in 1998. It, it allowed a kind of, of processing to begin to take place. And I, I do think that the, the present artistic creativity is one, is one result of that. One of the things that I think is particularly interesting is the whole notion of identity. You know, for mm -hmm. instance, you now live in, in um, Dublin, although, of course, originally you're from Derry. And I'm yes. wondering how you feel about being sort of identified as a writer from Northern Ireland. It used to be the case, for instance, that people who were writers felt they had to leave Ireland. James Joyce is a typical example. And Northern Ireland, <laughs> Brian Moore, for example, yes. in order to be able to write about it, to be free of restriction. And at a certain period, of course, there was actual censorship in the country. So all that's yeah. changed, of course. And people seem to be staying put, though not everyone certainly who's writing, who's from Northern Ireland, would want to be identified as such. Um, how do you feel yeah. about that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's a very interesting question. It's a very interesting area that the North and Northern Ireland and in inverted commas are kind of catch-all terms. And of course, they are true and very useful in themselves. But I think they tend as terms or, or you might say as marketing terms to, mm -hmm. to brush over or to flatten the fact that there are many people from, in inverted commas, Northern Ireland who have a very complex relationship with the place, but who, who then can, of course, channel those complex feelings in their writing. So, you, yeah, so I, I feel I, I would be one of those who's very aware that Northern Ireland was not established back in 1921 with the good of all of its people in mind. Mm -hmm. And I think that you can't, you can't or you ought not to step away from that essential fact or try to ignore it so so for for example I, I think i had that that essential idea in my mind when i i went about uh, assembling the essays in my new uh, collection in permanence you, you simply have to engage with the truths of history you have to deal with it um Olivia Fitzsimons, who I'll be interviewing in Ennis, uh, she's a good example of this awareness of history and, and writing her novel, the, the Quiet Whispers Never Stop, really engages directly with Northern Ireland's trauma to, to amazing effect. Uh, and of course, there's there's plenty more where that came from. So it's a, a very a very interesting I idea, and it opens up all sorts of other kinds of ideas too. Mm-hmm. Um just you mentioned these collection of essays on permanence there, which I'm making my way through at the moment, I can say. I haven't Great. quite finished. <laughs> really enjoying it uh, because you're mentioning there the idea of truth in writing, truth in history. And what's, what's very clear in those essays is the personal nature of the actual truth, if you like, that people have experienced. You know, people talking about yeah. really traumatic events like the murder of someone... Uh, 
I think it's uh, Henrietta McKelvey describes the the murder of her father when she was three and a half. Um, and there are other yeah. um, s- very significant personal losses and gains. Uh, Kerry Nidocherty's uh, beautiful descriptions yes. about expecting her baby and moving places when that was happening for her. You know, yeah. it's sort of gains and losses in one sense, but the beautiful writing that's coming and the, the real truth, you know, there's there's nothing sort of, how can I put this, you know, like sort of literary in the, in a strict sense or artistic about the way people are writing. It's coming from the heart. It's using different yes. forms of writing within the essay, like poetry and, um, you know, metaphor. Uh, I think of The Lighthouse, for example, I think um, as, a, as a metaphor yes. and so on. You know, and yes. the hope, the overall uh, feeling of hope that's coming, even when the writers are dealing with the notion of impermanence. And impermanence, yes. of course, is one of the very uh, weird features of Northern Ireland and its politics. Even as we're speaking today, there are things happening which may change that whole framework again quite significantly. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I'm just uh, thinking that in Ennis you're going to be talking to three women writers and you have mentioned uh, Michelle's book and Olivia's book. And I'd also like you to say something to us about one, the one that I'm familiar with, which would be Lucy Caldwell, who, of course, is a really yes. garlanded writer and has won many Indeed. awards, including, I think, the Best Short Story Award from somebody last year. I just can't recall who that was. Um, but I still remember that story. I remember reading that story. And could you say something yes. about Lucy's work in particular? Because she's someone who actually lives outside, physically lives outside Northern Ireland, but from a writing point of view is very much still using her experience of life there as a tool. She absolutely her. is. Yes. Yeah. She's from Belfast originally. She lives in London now. And mm-hmm. uh, as you say, she's been she's been much garlanded. Just in the last week, actually, she's won the E.M. Forster Award in, in the United States. Oh, uh, she won the national. Yeah, no, amazing, an amazing achievement. Um, she won the, the the National Short Story Award, I, I think, is, is, is the one that you just that's referred it. to. Yeah, that's so she, yeah. She, she's a very, very, she's a very interesting author in many ways, particularly in her range. Um, she began as a dramatist, mm. uh, and, and now she works both in in the short story form and in the novel form. Mm-hmm. And her her last novel, which actually I think is coming out in paperback next week, is These Days, mm-hmm. uh, which is set in Belfast during the the Belfast Blitz, Blitz. Uh, in the course, yes, in the course of the war. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, she like like Olivia uh, and like Michelle, she she writes uh, very well, very very beautifully about about women's lives, and I think it's probably fair to say that um, people associate Northern Ireland, say politics in, in particular, with a, a kind of um, misogyny which is 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 not hidden. No, indeed. Uh, and Therefore, yes, and it's a, it's a. I think it's a wonderful corrective to see, um, to see novelists like Lucy and like Michelle and Olivia really focusing on women's lives uh, and women's experiences. Um, I, I was at a exhibition in Derry just a few days ago, which mm-hmm. focused on, on the same idea of, of the of the rule that 
women have played in, in political and so, social life in the, in, in, in the North. So people like May Blood, Mo Mulem, of course, Pat Hume. Yes. And it was it, it was great to be uh, to be immersed in those kinds of stories and to be reminded that why misogyny is one strong uh, vein running through Northern politics is very much uh, a minority. There's so much more going going on, and it's so so valuable and so crucial to read stories by writers like Lucy, like Olivia, like Michelle, which tell the other side, the untold stories, the forgotten stories, sometimes the scorned stories. Because it, it seems to me until those stories are told and told and told and retold and brought back into the light, we never know ourselves as a society as well as we need to. Well, Neil, I think that's perhaps the note that we'll finish on today. I want to thank you so much for giving us your time this morning and for sharing with us those insights which will bring perhaps new readers to, uh, or the Northern writers to, a new audience. And look forward well, very much pleasure. to the session in Ennis. Thank you very much, Neil. Thank you. It's a million. Thanks. I really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Great. Bye now. Bye.